This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Clips Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I am joined today by Blake Harris to talk about the Clippers' next head coach, whoever that might happen to be. <laughs> Blake, how's it going? It's it's going well. A lot, a lot to get to. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some interesting takeaways, thoughts, predictions, because, yeah, this is uh, an episode I didn't think we'd be recording. Well, then again, I th- thought we'd be recording a finals preview at this point but that's beside the point but yeah a lot to uh, get to and it'll be interesting to uh, hear your thoughts and share what I have to say about the situation yeah so I think the best place to start is when the Clippers were bounced out of the playoffs I was of the belief that there was no circumstance where the team would get rid of Doc Rivers and that's not to think that I didn't think they should get rid of Doc Rivers because I have been floating this Ty Lue has been waiting for this job to open since the middle of the Dallas series. Like I thought it was strange that he wasn't being listed as a front runner for any of the open jobs. And part of me was just thinking, maybe he's waiting out doc rivers. Like maybe there's a chance here that Lou thinks there's a better job that's going to open up. And again, that's not to say that I thought rivers was going to go because uh, he just means so much to this Clippers organization, the, the face of the franchise from, the end of the Donald Sterling era until now, like has been Doc Rivers. And I guess I should have expected the Clippers to be, you know, less sentimental because that's sort of the way they've operated in the Mike Winger, Lawrence Frank, you know, last three years or so. The the, the hardest part about this, which makes it difficult, uh, first off, like it's without a doubt the right choice. Like if you take, you know, Doc the person out of you just from a coaching point of view and the team's point of view, it's the right choice to make. But like you said, Doc Rivers, I mean, when you look back and you think of like the impact Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, like those guys had, you have to include Doc Rivers in the mix because what he, you know, inherited, although Vinny, like, I, I still feel bad that Vinny Del Negro doesn't get necessarily the credit I think he does deserve. I did like Vinny Del Negro, but Doc Rivers came in still with, you know, no, no real history still with the Clippers because I think there was Vinny Del Negro was there for, I think, two years during those playoff runs. And, you know, he, turned them around. He was there for the Donald Sterling, you know, fiasco and really was kind of like the voice for the Clippers. You know, he stood up for them. He was kind of saying like, he, he, he said this this year during the bubble, but even back then he was said, it's in the player's court, whatever they want, I'm okay with. And then just over the years, what he's done, what he's done in the community, what he's done for the Clippers. And then especially in the bubble, he was essentially kind of like, 
the main voice in regards to everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, just everything. And everyone seemed to kind of, you know, go to him as kind of like, not just even a coach, just a father figure for the most part. And, you know, Doc, again, a fantastic guy. I, I love him, which is what does make this so difficult because it's just one of those things you want him to stay. You want him, especially because when he came to the Clippers, it was to lead the Clippers, you know, to their first NBA title, just to lead him to the conference finals, which unfortunately he couldn't do, which again, it's the right move, but it, it is kind of a drag that even if he would have led him to the conference finals or even to the NBA finals, but they would have lost it's, you know, he didn't necessarily accomplish the ultimate goal, but he took him further than anyone ever had. And it really is upsetting that, you know, eventually, assuming the Clippers one day get to a conference finals, get to a final, it's sad that it's going to be under someone other than Doc. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really good point that, you know, Doc has been sort of the mouthpiece for the Clippers franchise and that press conference that he gave uh, about Jacob Blake and about the fear that black men feel in America, that was so moving. And it just, it made you feel proud to have Rivers associated with the Clippers that he was able to make a statement like that, to speak so powerfully, you know, from the heart. Uh, it was the kind of statement that I, I feel like really resonated with people, not just in the NBA, but like around the country, I heard people referencing Doc Rivers just in terms of the way he was able to communicate those ideas. Like that's, that's a very important thing to have, uh, you know, the figurehead of the franchise carry himself so well and communicate these about these important issues in such an important way. But in a way, I, I think it kind of distracts from the fact that, like you said, Doc Rivers never got the Clippers to a conference finals. You know, Vinny Del Negro won one playoff series when he was the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers in, you know, two playoff runs. Doc Rivers won three playoff series as the head coach of the Clippers in, you know, six years of being the, or seven years of being the head coach, right? So there was like a running joke at the start of Rivers' tenure that like, oh, he's not even better than Vinny Del Negro because he couldn't get out of the second round because I believe his first year was when he lost to Oklahoma City in the second round. Um, and it's like, you know, why would you bring in Doc Rivers to just do the same thing that Vinny did? And the implication was always that it'll get better. And it never really got better. Um, and as great as Doc is with the media, and I confess to having a huge amount of personal bias here because I love talking to Doc. He's funny and he's candid and he treats yeah. everyone with respect. It's a really wonderful relationship that he's cultivated. Uh, it sort of glosses over the fact that like, hey, maybe the Clippers should have been winning more. <laughs> And we probably can just boil this down to a basketball decision. Yeah. I mean, he, again, regular season wise, he set all the records. He did everything he wanted. I mean, he was essentially everything, like, like you said, outside of what happened, the 48 minutes on the court, he's everything you want from a coach, you know, great with the media, great with everyone. It just, you know, it boiled down to the fact that you brought that up. Vinny Del Negro in what? Yeah. Two years, you know, bringing the Clippers to the playoffs. He won, you know, one playoff series and in Doc Rivers, yeah, six, seven years, whatever it was, he won three when it should have been a whole lot more. So that just, that's, and Vinny Del Negro did that still with those, you know, those fresh Clipper teams that had no playoff experience whatsoever. So the fact that he was able to do that, it just, it, it really is disappointing because, like I said, it, Doc was supposed to be the guy. It wasn't like they brought him in after Vinny Del Negro got him, you know, to like the conference finals and Doc had championship experience. Like, no, Doc was the guy that was supposed to take everything he learned from Boston bring it to the Clippers who were still, you know, not really super young, but like those Blake, DJ, Chris Paul teams, they were still, you know, in their prime young, get them to the promised line, couldn't do that. And then, you know, he was gifted this team and couldn't do that. So 
it's you know, I'm sure we'll get to you know the decision behind it and you know our thoughts, but it again a decision a decision that had to be made. But a guy like Doc, who again I I love as a man, I, I respect him. Like I I wish I could have his phone number so I can just talk to him and hang out with him. So it, it's it it really hurts though to see like so many Clippers fans celebrating, which I understand wanting to celebrate kind of like the coaching aspect of it, but the people that kind of you know were just ignoring everything that Doc has done. I know the first thing you think of are the three, one blown series leads, but you know, the broader picture, everything that he's done for the franchise, it, it really shouldn't go unnoticed, which again, I, I am kind of upset that this is how he had to go out. Um, so it's like I said, a good thing, I guess, for the Clippers, but it's also just, it, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, the Clippers have had to say goodbye to a lot of the people who have sort of defined that era of the franchise. You know, they traded Chris Paul and, they got much better for it because I think, you know, having Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, and Montrez Harrell was as good of a package as you could have gotten for a potentially upcoming free agent. Uh, <laughs> don't forget Sam Decker. <laughs> don't forget Sam Decker. <laughs> um, they, you know, obviously made that wildly extravagant free agent pitch to Blake Griffin and then traded him six months later or whatever, which I, you know, isn't the greatest look, but it also netted them, you know, the picks that became Shea Gilbus Alexander. It, yeah. completely throw the salary cap like they eventually made that trade with philly to get lander shamit and all those picks which they used in the paul george trade so that the asset management that the clippers have executed you know over the past few years has always pushed them i would say forward i mean depending on how you feel about the paul george trade at this point i think it was pretty universally regarded as the right move when they made it but obviously we'll have to relitigate that in good time but yeah. uh I think you can kind of apply the same logic with this Doc Rivers move because, yes, he represents a important piece of, you know, this historical era for the Clippers, but he also represents an era that was limited, right? That they never overachieved. They arguably underachieved with those teams. And yes, you can be sentimental and hold on to a guy who means a lot to the team and who I, I think turn the Clippers into a destination rather than a laughing stock, right? Like you saw free agents want to sign with the Clippers, not just guys of like Kawhi's caliber, but like JJ Reddick wanted to sign with the Clippers. And like, that's, it's not nothing, right? Like guys right. of that uh, talent level wanting to sign the Clippers just like didn't really happen before. Uh, so the credibility that he brought to the franchise, I think is really important. Uh, but I also think that it's important that the Clippers realize that, Hey, you know, maybe he wasn't the guy to do everything, right? Like he had a very ambitious set of goals that he wanted to achieve with the Clippers. He wanted to change the perception. He wanted to, you know, bring them to their first conference finals and then championship. And like, he did a big part of it. I think that should not go on understated that he did a big part of that in changing the, uh, the way that the Clippers are viewed around the league. And yeah, you know, we can still run our jokes about the Clippers because it's, it's going to happen when you blow through one seriously, jokes are going to happen. And that happened yeah. with the Warriors. Like, I don't think anyone's saying that the Warriors had something fundamentally wrong with their franchise when they lost a 3-1 lead in the playoffs. It just, it sucks. Uh, but it was important to make that separation that like, hey, we got this part of the job done. Maybe we need somebody else to take us the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I just want to add, because you hit everything perfectly, the Jazz are sure thankful the Clippers did that because I guarantee you no one is going to remember the Jazz blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the first round. Like, I almost kind of forgot about that. No, like, it's just going to be slid under the rug because of the Clippers won. But it's like the Jazz, they they blew a 3-1 seriously too. And you can argue that that one, because they, they should have won game one. So it, 
it, it again, it's it, overall, you know, it sucks, but time to move on and time to uh, think about what's going to happen with the future. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people saying that the Bucks should tank, thank the Clippers too, because their yeah. collapse, <laughs> you know, was really overshadowed by what happened just True. a few days later with the Clippers. Um, you know, that's again, changing the perception around the league. That's what the Clippers have done. Uh, and that's what Doc Rivers was responsible for in all of the very best and worst ways. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about how the Clippers got to this Rivers decision and where we go from here. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so where were you Monday when you found out that Doc Rivers was not going to be the Clippers coach anymore? And what was your immediate reaction? So I was literally just laying on my bed, just like on my phone. And I got the Woj uh, notification saying it and because it was I, I forget exactly how it was worded but it wasn't like the Clippers fire Doc Rivers I think it was I, I don't know if it was like parted ways or Doc Rivers I it was it was worded weirdly so I had to like double take to see what it said but I was completely shocked because I mean I, I said this immediately after it happened I said after the second blown 3-1 series lead Doc needs to be gone like the, the Houston Rockets 3-1 series lead, although that one, like, it it still haunts me. That one wasn't necessarily awful coaching where after going down 3-1, Houston, they were just the better team in game five. Game six, I, I'll stress this again, Josh Smith, Corey Brewer, you there's nothing you can do over that, the fact that they were hitting three after three after three with James Harden on the bench. And then game seven, the Clippers had no chance. So although it shouldn't have happened, that one, like, yeah. Ideally, not not ideal, but I'm not going to put too much blame on Doc. This series, again, players aren't making shots, so there's only so much Doc can do about that. But a lot of the reason the Clippers lost this series was about Doc. So I said he needs to be gone. Like, you have to fire him, especially with a team like this. He needs to be gone. And then, like, a day or two later, I think it was the Chris Haynes article came out pretty much saying, nope, like, the Clippers are going to run it back. They're going to be keeping Doc Rivers. And I was thinking, boy, like, I understand the decision, but I, I don't think it's smart. But if that's what Kawhi wants, if that's what Paul George wants, you, you got to go with got to go with what they say. So I was thinking, OK, Docs, we're going to run it back and we'll see. But I, I didn't like the move. So that's why I think I was so shocked when it said that they were parting ways, because I think we all expected them to be bringing him back, running it back. And then kind of the, the reports started coming out about, you know, it, it was like a mutual decision, which then again, like how mutual truly was it? And now there's been kind of more reports saying that Steve Ballmer went to, you know, their star players and asked what they thought. And we didn't, we don't know what they said, but apparently it said whatever they said didn't change Ballmer's mind. 
So we don't know if Kawhi, Paul George, if they lobby to keep Doc. We don't know if they said, you know what, we we support your decision with whoever you want to go with. That's fine. So we don't necessarily know. But yeah, I I was I was shocked. Um, I, I still am kind of shocked because again, I guess it just goes to show how much truth was there to that Chris saying. It seems like so many different uh, insiders have just different takes on what's been going on. It seems like it's kind of a mess in regards to like Montrezl Harold Paul George had beef. I guess like no one. You know, Paul George wasn't taking the leadership role because Kawhi wasn't taking the leadership role because that's not what he does. So I, I guess there was more of a mess than we, I guess, initially thought. And who knows what the players' relationships are with Doc now. I mean, from what I've been reading, it sounds like Doc really trusted Montres Harrell for whatever reason. So I, I don't know if by doing that, he maybe kind of had something, you know, iffy with PG and Kawhi and maybe like some of the other guys. And for whatever reason, he never played zoo. So maybe zoo has a problem with him. So I'm sure maybe we'll learn more as time goes on as to what exactly happened in the bubble, like what exactly kind of went wrong. But yeah, initial reaction shocked just because we all thought that doc was going to be back next season. Yeah. I, I guess um, when you say that you've mutually parted ways, it loses a little bit of its luster when two big reports come out from ESPN and the athletic that say that Balmer lost confidence in Rivers' vision. It's like, okay, yeah. well, I guess they mutually decided that they weren't on the same page. <laughs> um, and finally learned the terms of Doc's extension that he had two more years left on his contract. I do wonder right, yeah. uh, if he was fired, quote unquote, like they would have had to pay him those final two years if he was mutually parting ways. I don't know what that means for the money. That shouldn't be an issue though, because Steve Bomber is rolling in it. That's like the last yeah. of the Clippers concerns. He has only about 70, $70 billion at his disposal. <laughs> yeah, I think you hit the nail right there because uh, that report that came, I think the day after the Clippers lost that Kawhi came to Los Angeles because of Doc Rivers. Like that was a big part of the consideration was that he wanted to play for a championship winning head coach like Doc, um, that he would be sticking around. I mean, I guess we all just assumed that this was the one thing they weren't going to be changing over the course of the off season. Uh, and now that doc is no longer in place, I feel like that completely changes the way we reevaluate the rest of the roster. Because like you said, doc obviously has a very strong fondness for Montrezl Harrell. Montrezl Harrell, unrestricted free agent. You'd think if rivers is no longer the head coach, Harrell is no longer priority for the Clippers this off season, which I don't think would affect the team too horribly during a postseason setting, but that's a lot of regular season minutes that you're going to have to account for in one way or another, which probably should be too hard. You know, backup fives are pretty easy to find on the minimum buyout market, whatever, like not a huge concern. Um, Another big uh, Doc Rivers acolyte is Lou Williams, who said that he thought his career was, you know, sort of on its last leg when he was traded to Los Angeles and he had a long heart to heart with, Doc about what his role was going to be in. He got him to buy in in a way that he hadn't in previous stops. Lou Williams has one year left on his contract. Maybe that's something that the Clippers look to move in a trade to get like a more uh, traditional point guard playmaker, or maybe just a pure gunner shooter that they can put around Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, so to speak. Uh, But the one thing that really stuck out to me from all of this reporting, uh, yes, the initial shock that like Rivers is gone, but not a single player has mentioned this on social media. Not one. I just realized I follow that. Yeah. All of the Clippers on Twitter, oh. Instagram, uh, they they post a lot of useless stuff. Not yeah. not a single one of them. Like this is something that Jovan Buha picked up on in his report on The Athletic. That was true as of yesterday. As of today on Wednesday, still not, not any single person from the Clippers 
as wow. made a mention of Doc Rivers being fired. And it, it could be something so simple as just like, oh, you know, Terrence Mann posts a picture of him and Doc Rivers like on an Instagram story, just like, thanks. You know, like that's it. Nothing, <laughs> nothing has happened. Uh, and that makes it really confusing because isn't Doc with the players coach? Like I thought that was his whole yeah. vibe, right? I, it's, it's, I mean, it's funny how simple that is, right? Like I didn't even realize that, but thinking about it now, I mean, you, you would think that, yeah, a post, a tweet, something on your story, just saying like, thanks, thanks for like being, being a great coach, a great mentor. But I, again, this is just one of those things where if you want to read too much into it or something with all these reports of there was conflict, it was that, was there something more going on that is there? Cause the, the re something I kept seeing is something about how the Clippers like had no, there was no chemistry. There's nothing like that, which seemed odd considering even at the beginning of the season, it seemed like the entire team had great chemistry. It seemed like that was going to be what led them to like the finals. And it just seemed like it all crumpled. So was it because of doc again, I'm sure there might be more reports that come out, but yeah, the fact that there hasn't been someone, even the, like I said, one of the smaller guys, like a Terrence man, like an Amir coffee, just one of these type guys that has come out to, say anything because I, I feel like for the most part if you're a team and you you know you lose your coach you would post something just saying thanks best of luck something but that's I, i'm that's shocking that you know not one has has come out with anything because it's been now yeah almost two days so they've had time to process it think of a post so yeah, and I'm not expecting like a whole like, you know, big ode novel, to Doc yeah. <laughs> Rivers, right? Like, I am just like a, you know, picture of the two of them. Like, that's it. I don't yeah. even need a caption, right? Yeah. Uh, I a just, tweet, I, just saying thanks, Doc Rivers. Yeah, I find that interesting. Maybe just like a retweet of Doc's message that he's leaving, you know, because uh, he tweeted his, you know, uh, statement about how like he apologized to Clipper Nation for not getting them to where, you know, he wanted to, which I thought that made the whole thing so much worse when I was reading that. Cause I'm like, I'm feeling so much worse now, doc, please don't. Someone someone from that organization needed to apologize for the performance they put up against Denver. And if doc is the only one that's going to do it, so be it. Uh, He fell on that sword, but I do find it. The Jamichael green post you sent the other day where he's like, Oh, I'm still not over it. And it's like, well, neither are we Jamichael. Like, no, (laughs) So clearly the guys are on social media. They're just yeah. not talking about Doc Rivers. I, I just find it so strange that uh, Doc built this uh, reputation in Boston as the veteran whisperer, you know, like the guy yeah. who could bring a bunch of disparate parts together. You know, he took Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett in their first season together and made that Boston team a champion. And, you know, they're, they were the Ubuntu team and they were all about teamwork and togetherness and, uh, and then he couldn't figure out how to like ever do the same thing with the Clippers, right? Like Lob City was constantly in dysfunction. Chris Paul and Blake Griffin don't even need to get started on that. And then this year, how the um, the new guys, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, were apparently consistently at odds with the existing players like Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly. Like there was constantly a disconnect between those two fractions, you know, of the locker room. And I mean, if Doc Rivers is not the chemistry guy, then like, why are we keeping him around, right? Like I get, because he's not, he's not making the A plus decisions on the court, right? Like we forgive the whole, I'm not going to play zoo in fourth quarters because he's getting the other things right. But apparently he wasn't getting the other things right. So that's, it's, it's unfortunate because I feel like I have to rethink the way that Doc Rivers has been like presented in my head, you know, over the last few years. But uh, yeah, apparently there was a lot more going wrong 
than we realized on because the Clippers were so talented and they were winning games most of the time anyway. Uh, but like you said earlier, I do think this was a move they had to make. Um, and I'm really interested to see what happens next. Yeah. W- one final thought before we move on to the next topic, it, it is interesting because it, it seems like his entire career, yeah, Doc been the player coach players love playing for him. They respect him, but thinking back at it now, you know, Apparently, you know, after they all left, but the Lob City era, as that was going on, that was an absolute mess. There was a lot of friction. There was a lot of drama. And, you know, we didn't know about it until, you know, we figured that, you know, Chris Paul, Blake, they were kind of divas and whatever on the court. But there was a lot going on in that locker room that we found out about. And now with this, it, there's a lot going on as well. So it it just goes to show, I'm, I'm sure, again, Doc's the fantastic guy, but that does seem kind of concerning that, you know, his two best teams, I mean, even then thinking back to the Celtics, I guess this, you know, the Celtics, they got their beef with Ray Allen. I'm not exactly sure. I, I think that's just because he, you know, dipped on them, but even thinking about that team, who knows how much, you know, of those kind of role players, if there's anything going on there. So, but you know, dogs last two kind of like mega teams, there's been a falling out. There's been drama, which again, I, I don't know how much that was related to him, but it's definitely something to kind of at least have in the back of your mind and think about, okay, like, what are you really doing in the locker room, Doc? Like, what, what's actually going on? And uh, that's why the Clippers are now looking for a new head coach. I will say that when I heard the news that Doc was not coming back, I expected there to be, like, an immediate follow-up that, hey, Ty Lue is the new head coach of the LA Clippers. Yeah. Uh, because, number one, if you're talking about Kawhi Leonard wanting to come to the Clippers to play for a coach with championship pedigree, Ty Lue has won as many titles as Doc Rivers. Uh won one more recently in 2016. Uh, He also did that in a very similar situation where this was a a team that was, uh, you know, put together and expected to compete for a title immediately. He actually had to jump in mid-season with the Cavaliers uh, in 2016 and led that team to that historic, you know, comeback against the Warriors that year in the finals. Uh, So it's not like he's, you know, a stranger to high pressure situations. He obviously knows how to work with superstars who may not get along because we all know LeBron, Kyrie, whatever the hell happened there in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, And I do think that there is some benefit to having a little bit of continuity because they talked ad nauseum. All the Clippers talked about how they didn't have enough time to develop chemistry. Well, bringing in a new coach, an entirely new system feels like that would delay the process even further. But if you have a guy who has been there all year, Obviously, he can add in new stuff and change, you know, what he feels is necessary because clearly the Clippers need to make some changes, but it's not a wholesale overhaul, you know, like there's something to build on because the Clippers did a lot of good things this year. I don't think, you know, you can completely wash those away. Like at least Ty Lue gives you a little bridge into the future. Yeah, I mean, I assume we're probably going to be getting into like who the candidates are and who like who we'd like to see. But I, I did find it interesting where when I saw the doc thing, my my immediate reaction was, OK, they're just going to promote Ty Lue. And then it comes out, well, Ty Lue's meeting like with Philly this week and all this is still going on. But I, I, I forget where I saw this, but I maybe it was Yovan, maybe it was someone else. But they said, you know, Ty Lue, he you know, he makes the most sense, but maybe it's just a thing where the Clippers, they just want an entire new, fresh pair of eyes that you know, they weren't on the coaching staff this past year. They don't want it to be too similar to what Doc wants, which I could like see the reasoning behind that where they just, I, I, I assume Ty Lue would, you know, have his, I, I can guarantee you this, Ty Lue would not have lost that 3-1 series up 3-1. He wouldn't have lost that, I don't think. Um, but yeah, maybe they want a new set of eyes. But I, I did think it was odd because Ty Lue, he just seems like the perfect step, step right up. 
I mean, that seems like kind of like why, again, like you said, I think earlier, why the Clippers kind of brought Ty Lue here, unless, you know, someone else just sends him like a, a massive contract that he can't pass up. It seemed like, okay, Doc's not going to be here forever. Ty Lue's just kind of be here for a few years, be under Doc's wing and then take over. So it is kind of odd that, you know, I, I feel like Ty Lue, if you're offered the spot, why would you go and interview with Philly? Like, I feel like this is the most ideal situation for you. You've been here, you have familiarity, you already live here. And now you're the coach of the LA Clippers. I feel like going to failure. I, I I don't know if he's talking to New Orleans at all, but it, it's it seems like again, I I can't make the call. But the obvious choice to stay if you're Ty Lue, if you're offered the job, which again we can read way too much into it if we want, but uh, that's that's an interesting thing on the Ty Lue front. Yeah, my my gut is if you're offered the job, you're not taking interviews with the Pelicans and the Seventy yeah. Sixers. So that means they haven't offered him the job. And if they haven't offered him the job, like what the hell are you doing? Uh, yeah. Because I, I, I don't get that. And let's say that he does get offers, you know, from other teams around the league, the Clippers should be able to beat those offers. Like there's no salary cap on coaches. Bomber can outspend anybody else. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like the situation with the Lakers last off season where Tyloo thought he was getting stiffed. And then he went to become an assistant with the Clippers. Like Bomber can pay him what Lou feels. Whatever he wants. Exactly. Whatever Lou feels yeah. he's worth. Um, so that that's been a little strange to see that this decision hasn't immediately come to fruition. I also think it's just delightful that Ty Lue and Doc are now interviewing for the same jobs around the league. Right. They're um, just going to battle it. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, but let's say Lou, you know, doesn't get the job. Who else would you be interested in seeing on this bench? So the report came out that Ty Lue was like the top candidates, but then the next was Jeff Van Gundy. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but, Jeff Van Gundy, he was, you know, most of his coaching was kind of like before my time, like back in the 90s, uh, when I brought up, brought him up to my dad, he remembers the whole Knicks incident. That's what he remembers with Van Gundy. Um, Listening to Van Gundy, how he calls NBA games, which how he feels about certain things. I just don't know how good I how good of a coach he'd be for this Clippers team. If you're losing a guy like Doc, this has to be a hormone higher. This has to hit it out of the park. And I don't know if you take, I mean, if the Clippers were kind of like, let's say that they were the team they were last year, where they had Shea, they had Gallo, they're still kind of coming up. Having a guy like Van Gundy come in to kind of try to take him to the next level and watch him build, I think that'd be a fantastic hire. But when you're in win-now mode, like this is as win-now mode as you can get because next year, Kawhi and PG, they might not be Clippers. I just don't know if you bring in a guy where the last time we saw him coaching was with the Rockets in the mid-2000s and that didn't go super great. I mean, it's not like he's coming off winning a title. So the Van Gundy move, I'm hesitant on. In regards to who I'd like to see, I it's never going to happen. I know some people are floating out the idea of Phil Jackson, which, no. Like, that's it's fun <laughs> to think about, but that, no way that happens. I, it won't happen, but I think getting Greg Popovich here would be quite the move because I, I think the whole relationship with him and Kawhi is fine. Like, I think they're yeah, good I to go. Yeah, I think they've settled it, yeah. I think with the way the team is now, it also depends on the players, but it's a bit on who the Clippers bring back. I, I think pop, I mean, no need to explain why he's deserving of being a head coach, but I think he would get them in line. I think he'd be fine. Um, and again, it's, it's, I think he's like 70 years old. I don't know if he'd want to leave San Antonio. The Spurs aren't going to be competing anytime soon. So maybe he thinks this could be my last hoorah. I can, you know, go to LA, win a title. So again, I don't, I don't think it's realistic. So I, I, I don't think, but I, I would like to see Greg Popovich at least potentially mentioned, cause I think that'd be great for the Clippers. Uh, I'd like to see Sam Cassell. 
potentially get an opportunity. I, I think he, I know he, I think, I don't know if he interviewed with the Rockets yet, if that ever happened. I know it was kind of rumored after D'Antoni, but I, I would love to see Sam Cassell. Chauncey Billups, who's currently the Clippers, you know, color commentator. Um, I, I think he would be a really, I mean, any, that's the scene with, with point guards. It's like an MLB, like catchers make the best managers. Point guards make the best coaches. I, I think Chauncey Billups potentially could be a, a great coach. But again, it's kind of the thing where, do you want to risk it with a guy with no coach? At least Sam Cassell has got, you know, years and years of assistant coaching experience, but Chauncey Billups has none. And the name that I, uh, another one I, I threw out, I, I don't know if this would happen just because of the pressure, but having Becky Hammond would be fantastic. I, I know so many people, I mean, it's it's probably going to happen within five years. She's going to get a head coaching job. It just, I mean, a lot of people think she's going to take over for pop. Um, I think it would be fantastic. The only problem is, as if she wasn't going to have enough pressure already whenever she becomes a coach for whoever it is, if she were to take over this Clippers team, it, like, I'm sure she can handle it. She probably will be able to, but it, it's going to be unreal. Like, especially once the playoffs come, if she gets knocked out or if something happens, if she were to take the Clippers and win the finals with them, that is going to be, I mean, she's going to open the door. Like she's going to change the NBA forever. She to do that. And I, I think she'd be fantastic. I wish she was an assistant coach for the Clippers, but I just think for the sole reason of maybe the expectations would be a little too high for her. Um, I don't think they would go that route, but I, like I said, I'd love it. So I'm fine with Ty Lue. He's my number one choice. And then I'd, I'd be fine with, you know, Sam Cassell, Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, Greg Popovich. Aside from that, I haven't really given much thought about any other names we could potentially see just because none have been mentioned. If we were going to, if we were going to get a Van Gundy brother, I'd rather have Stan just because <laughs> I, I, I like Stan more, but um, those are like the five, five names that I would, I would like to see the Clippers uh, eventually go, or they could just somehow get Nick nurse back from Toronto, <laughs> bring him. But I also saw another one saying with Steve Ballmer, what if you were to open the checkbook for like Eric Spolstra, which I think that could be, I don't think that happens, especially with the heat in the finals, but I was just thinking, you know, what if Spolstra wins a championship with the heat and he's just one of the guys where he thinks, Kawhi. <laughs> I, I've, I've done everything I can with Miami. It's been great. Let me go to LA and see what I can do there. Again, it won't happen, but Eric Spolstra, I mean, Steve Ballmer, he can say, oh, you're making, I don't know, 5 million with Miami. How does 10 million sound with Los Angeles? Won't happen, but uh, I can dream. I can dream at least. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, uh, the Clippers, you know, their last coaching hire came, you know, from a team like Doc Rivers was already under contract with the Celtics. And uh, that was a sort of a rare situation where he left an existing job to come to a different position. And that he was, was traded. Because, right. He was traded. And that was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was traded quote yeah. unquote, because technically you're not yeah. allowed to, but whatever. Um, <laughs> he thought that the Celtics were going to be undergoing a rebuilding process and he didn't want to be a part yeah. of that. So I think if you were going to see a head coach move jobs, it would have to be a similar type situation where their team is on the downswing, which is why Spolster doesn't really feel like a possibility. I, I love the idea of seeing Greg Popovich outside of the San Antonio system. I would just, I would be delighted to see what he carries with him and what is just sort of intrinsic to the Spurs themselves. Um, but like you, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I don't love the idea of hiring someone who has already been a head coach uh, other than Lou, just because, uh, he, it was so recent, you know, and we know that he was successful in a very similar type of situation. Uh, yeah. I just feel like the, we know what these old guys can do. Like we know what Jeff Van Gundy can do. We know what Sam Van Gundy can do. Like his last tenure in Detroit was underwhelming for lack of a better word. Uh, yeah. So I think it makes more sense to go the assistant route. Uh, the problem is, like you said, this job is so high pressure that 
you know, it's one thing when you promote an assistant from within, which is why I think like Sam Cassell makes perfect sense, but it's quite another thing when you say like, oh, like, you know, Mike Malone is a good staff in Denver, like Wes Unsell Jr., Jordy Fernandez, like those guys seem like they could be good head coaches someday. Is today the day that they're going to be good head coaches? Like, I don't know. Uh, so it's, I, I don't think the Clippers can afford to be too creative here, you know, um, which yeah. is on the one hand kind of a shame because they have the opportunity to literally throw whatever amount of money they wanted anybody. Like if Jay Wright hadn't just said that he wanted to stay at Villanova, like that's a guy who I'd be calling. Uh, um, I do think I like, that, I like probably, that one. Yeah. If there's, I do I like think that, that there's some interesting coaches in college who you could, you know, throw the bank at and see if they wanted to come take this job, but coach K <laughs> yeah, I, I think <laughs> he's too old do. to make that change. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, the only thing I would add to what you said about Becky Hammond is that if she came, it's probably because Kawhi signed off on it and they already have a relationship in San Antonio. So yeah. those are like the only assistants. The Spurs assistants are the only non-Clippers assistants I would consider bringing in just because you know that they already have a bond with your best player. And let's face it, this is a player's league, like player empowerment. That's why I think Jeff Van Gundy would actually be a bad fit because he doesn't seem to yeah. be on board with all of the player empowerment that uh, the Clippers espouse. Uh, so that's what I think. I think you either have to go with a Clippers assistant or with a Spurs assistant just to make sure that Kawhi is satisfied uh, because the most important thing the Clippers can do, I think even more than winning a championship this year is making sure that Kawhi signs on for a new contract. Yeah. Like, like you hit it perfectly because as I said, the next best thing from pop would be, would be Becky. Cause she's essentially pop 2.0. He's probably everything he knows and has learned is probably taught to her. So I, I do like what you said about being a player's league, which is why I think you can't be too like, oh, Van Gundy has 20 years, like whatever it is. Uh, it, like I said, it, it's a scary move going with a guy that has no experience. But as we've seen, you know, the Nets did this getting Steve Nash. Uh, it's you need to go with the guys that know what the game is now. And again, like no offense to Van Gundy, but like a Chauncey Billups, Sam Castell, Ty Lue, they understand today's current game of basketball more than you know van gundy does I, again I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what other coaches you know were out there like nate mcmillan you know he was he was he's been a great coach all of his all of his time but it's i think you need to get a guy and especially with, with guys like Kawhi, paul george again not that i'm sure they didn't get along with doc but again having you know a young guy chauncey i think is only 40 41 42 years old something like that i'm sure sam castell's in his young 40s a guy that's still young enough played you know a decade ago, less than that. Oh, I guess Chauncey Billups, like four years ago with the Clippers or five or six, whenever that was, I can't remember at this point. But I, I think that's the better route, especially for a team like this, because I think they just, they understand the game more and they'll overall be more helpful than one of these older older coaches. I'm really glad you brought up the Nets because uh, they're a team that definitely thought outside the box, like where I was just saying that the Clippers can't afford to be too creative. They did not right. follow that. <laughs> um, they no brought in a guy coming. with no head coaching experience, but one who has really good relationships with their two best players. So I think that's the template the Clippers will be looking for going forward is making sure that whoever comes in has a really good relationship with their two best players. And if we had to pick one or the other, has a really good relationship with Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's that's probably the, uh... the, the ticket right there. Yeah, I, I just wanted to like Google just to see like what names are out there. Cause again, I mean, there, there's so many mm -hmm. and it's, it's just tough to think about who the Clippers could potentially, the, the people that are saying Mike D'Antoni, please, like, I don't even want to think about that. No, like that gives me nightmares just even considering it. 
But again, like there's no real, for the most part, like names out there where you immediately go, oh, that, that'd be a perfect fit. Like I can't really think of any any solid ones. And again, it's it's one thing for like the Pelicans because again, they're kind of like an up and coming team. So that one can go anyway. The, the 76ers, even still, everyone knows that whatever they do, they're probably going to underperform yet again next year. But it's like the Clippers is like, it, it is win now mode for this upcoming year. Like you have to hit it because again, if things go wrong, I mean, may, maybe Kawhi and Paul George, they're fully committed to Los Angeles, but if something goes wrong next year, and again, the Clippers get bounced in the second round or maybe like the Western conference finals, it's like, how confident are you that you're able to retain both those guys? But then again, if they were to lose Paul George, well, a guy named Giannis is going to be a free agent. Maybe everything's going to be just fine, but it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the situation. I mean, I, it's the biggest coaching uh, position out there. And I can't remember in years past where I, th- maybe this past year with the Lakers, maybe that one where it was kind of like coming in and you had LeBron AD, like you knew what, what you're, you're going to need, but it's just like, like, I can't stress this enough. This has to be a like grand slam walk-off home run of a signing uh, for the Clippers, but I'm sure whoever it is, like all the players are going to sign off on it. Like, Kawhi, Paul George, it's got to be guys they, you know, want to coach for them. So we'll, we'll see. And the, the, the weird part is, is Steve Ballmer's press conference, he's, or his press release, he said, we're like beginning the interview process immediately, which goes to show like, who are they interviewing? Like, are we going to hear reports? Cause the Clippers kind of go just in like that stealth mode where mm-hmm. you don't hear anything until it actually happens. So they very well could be interviewing, you know, a few, a few names that we just don't know about. And, you know, it could happen next week where they announce a new coach. It could be a month. Um, we'll have to, we'll have to, uh, wait and see. I still think that this job is Ty lose to lose. That was a weird phrase. Um, <laughs> but obviously the Clippers threw a huge curveball by parting ways with Doc Rivers in the first place. So it's silly for me to expect them to behave in a rational manner here, but, uh, all of those qualifications that we were talking about, I think Lou is the only guy that hits every single check mark. And I mean, you, you brought up the Lakers job. Like he was their number one choice last off season. I think he should be the Clippers number one choice this off season. And the Clippers have the resources to get the job done. So that's my expectation. Obviously the Clippers could surprise and go in an entirely different direction, but I think the betting favorite, you know, to be the head coach for the Clippers in the 2020, 21 season is going to be Tyron. Yeah. I mean, again, Maybe they did offer, but if you're in his position, you you might as well just see what Philly has to say. Get a free, you know, free flight, free meal. See what they have to say, what they can pitch. I mean, Tyloo, he did play for Philly, so he does have some some former ties. But it, it just makes too much sense. Again, I'd I'd be shocked if it isn't Tyloo. But I mean, the Clippers they've they've shocked uh, everyone for years and years. So who knows? Maybe they'll have some random home run hire. Um, my ideal situation, though, is they have an official three-man head coaching staff between Ty Lue, Sam Gasell, and Chauncey Billups. I think that'd be great. I think it'd be great if Chauncey Billups were to come on to at least the coaching staff. I I really hope Sam Castell stays if they keep Ty Lue because I, I just love Sam Castell. But again, if he gets you know head coaching job somewhere else. But I, I think it'd be great if they can keep Sam Castell with Ty Lue and then add on Chauncey Billups. That'd be, that'd be my dream scenario for the uh, coaching staff. And then if they can somehow bring in Becky Hammond as well. <laughs> So keep it as in-house as possible, but plus Becky Hammond. Yes. All right. I think we have a plan. Hopefully Balmer's <laughs> listening. If you're listening, please go that route. All right. 
Well, this has been the Clips Nation podcast. Make sure you are subscribed on iTunes or Spotify to catch up on every new episode when it drops. And we'll have more episodes this off season as we preview whatever is to come whenever next season starts. Thanks, Blake. No worries. No worries.